Gordon Boudreau is an actor, comedian, and creator of the wildly inappropriate poetry of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. He has spent a lifetime performing as a stage and street performer at Renaissance festivals across the country, for which he does not apologize because it groomed in him an openness to the unscripted and immediate in performance. In his wayward 30s, he performed stand-up and sketch comedy at the Comic Strip and Gotham Comedy Club in New York, but really, who hasn't? He credits his love of poetry to his father, who taught English literature at Lemoyne College in Syracuse for three decades, and his siblings, which include a college president, a professor of physics, a musician, a head of humanities professor, a photographer, and an aviation enthusiast. When not on the road, he lives in Oswego, New York, with his extraordinary wife, Sarah, and two terribly disobedient children. And away we go! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I wanted to start this one. That's oh, nice. I was really afraid I was going to burp. I'm, I, I think it's going away. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going away. Do we need a moment? I don't, it's like sitting. It's sitting. Use it. It's just uh, biding its time. It's going it, to, it, it'll come out. We were doing a yeah. sound check earlier. Megan, would you like to imitate some of the noises you thought were appropriate for our sound check? Oh, what was it? It was like, uh, hmm, uh, <laughs> I was like, give me a little of the sound you might make during the show. And she goes, ah. And then I, and then I couldn't stop giggling. Oh, oh, here it goes. Hi, everyone. My name is David, and this is... And this is Megan, his wife. I'm Megan. Hello. And this is Dress for the Podcast You Want. It's a podcast about success, and we're feeling it. And we're giggly. Are you feeling successful? Uh, Yeah, I guess so right now. You made me giggle. I, I didn't That's know that successful. that was the theme of this podcast I, I i might be in the i might be in the wrong room <laughs> you're here for botany 102 you are in the wrong audio booth oh jeez. and with us today is our guest oh what oh which one which one do you want it's i call him gordy boudreau yeah that's what i call myself hi gordy i didn't know if you if you did gordon ever oh i i only get yelled at with that name that's, that's, <laughs> That's what my, my wife calls me. And <laughs> Please don't call me Gordon. That's my bad name. Gordon. <laughs> Hi, Gordy. How are you? I'm fine. I'm really well. Yes. This is a lot of fun. I've never done anything like this before. Well, oh, I got to tell you, I'm excited because today is a special episode of Dress for the Podcast You Want. Why is that, David? Megan, do you know why it's a special episode? I only sort of know because you told me right before. Gordy, do you know why it's a special episode? I have no idea. That's It's a special episode because today is the 69th episode <laughs> of Dress for the Podcast You Want. Oh. Oh, I'm going to have to delve through the layers of metaphor right now. <laughs> we were looking around and I was like, who? And we're like, all right, where? Who's who's on the guest list, and what episode would they be right for? And then I was like, perfect. Was that that wasn't planned? It was just. It was only half planned. It was planned in yeah. that were you going to be on episode sixty-seven, sixty-eight, or sixty-nine? And I see. Duh. So it's thirty-four, thirty-four and a half planned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because for those of you who don't know, and maybe you couldn't be fucked to listen to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> But Gordy uh, has a character in a show called, uh, the show is called The Wildly Inappropriate Poetry of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. And Gordy is just a, a brilliant poet of <laughs> renown and perversity. And oh, it's just great. We're going to get into a lot, but we got to start at the beginning. So Gordy. Yes. Do you consider yourself a successful person? Oh, oh 
Jeez. Isn't that a question for other people to, to answer about me? I always, lo- I always love the noises that happen. Am I successful? You know what? That's That actually is an interesting question because I think it makes its way into my show. I think there's no small amount of shame oh. on my part <laughs> with what I do. And I think that there's a little guy inside of me that's judging me in relation to my family, my, <laughs> my siblings, who I think are incredibly successful. And uh, I, 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 I don't know what to make of myself. Sometimes, I'm horrified by the the choices I've made. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I I guess I'm successful in the sense that I have a show that I love doing. And in in fact, I don't think I'd ever want to do any other show that I've seen. The show that I do is exactly what I want to do. You've been doing it long enough that I feel like if there were something else you wanted to be doing, that probably would have struck you by now. What is it, like 10, 15 years of this character? Something like that? I well, the character started in 2007. The show started in 2011. Wow. Wow. So nine years of doing a show. Yeah, you think that if, maybe if I just looked out my window, I would have seen something else to do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm very domestic. <laughs> you said, you said was, isn't that a question for other people to answer about you? Do you think other people would say that you're successful? Or do you, like, are, are, are there groups of people that would and groups of people that wouldn't? Oh, and I see, I see what you're doing here. Now you're trying to, that's a roundabout way of me answering whether I think I'm successful. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that I got sweet. your answer. Your answer was, ah, ooh, ying. And that was what I'm, that's canon. I always love those noises that come after I, the question. Yeah. I, you know what? When I stand on stage and I look at the audience out there, and I think that this is really a show about poetry. And most people, when you say, hey, I would like to recite a poem for you, they might sort of wince a little bit internally and <laughs> they do the polite thing and endure it with that little plastic smile for a while. But so I, I am very pleased that people come to a show knowing that it's poetry. Maybe they haven't seen it before and they think, ah, but by the end of it, it's a different energy in the audience. So yes, I, on, on that level, I suppose, I, let's be honest, I, I, I'm probably successful at that. And, you know, we categorize success in a lot of different ways. And, and the one that we're talking about right now is, is professional and and you, I mean, here's the thing. We can get combative about it, right? You, like, fuck you. You are successful. <laughs> <laughs> Is, you know, the, you have, you, like you said, you have a show. <laughs> well, all right, come here. Let me kiss it and make it better. Um, you have a show that you love doing that people love watching, you know. Literally all over the country. L- yes, Literally. Literally? Well, it, I, don't I, don't think I've, I don't think I've uh, seeped into the Texas panhandle yet. Okay. That's a very but specific. Very, very. They don't want me there. But yeah, I guess I, uh, yeah, most of the country, yeah. I, I guess uh, Minnesota, the South, the Deep South. Florida, New York, Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah, that's successful that if you could bring if you could bring something of a, what I guess most people would consider to be a, out of a niche market and bring it down there and still be able to do it for 10, 15 years. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. And and another gauge of that is when I go to a new show and no one has ever seen this show before and they yeah. wonder and, and to see the energy change, to see their expression change and, and then mm-hmm. to see those people come back again for another show. That's that's how do that's you amazing. how do you do it? You're so brave. <laughs> 
I met I met Gordy. I met Gordy uh, virtually. I got introduced to Gordy and Gordy's show, and uh, you know was was brought in on a sort of artistic producerial capacity. I went and saw it for the first time uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, maybe yeah, a year the, and a half ago, two years ago. The Pennsylvania yeah. Fair. Yeah. 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 And the first thing I see of Gordy is him, not to talk about him like he's not here, but, you know, uh, you're you're walking around and you're t- just sort of engaging with people and talking to people and handing them your card and telling them about their sh- your show. And like, I love acting. Acting, oh, acting's great. Talking to strangers like that, like, is that something you had to learn to do? Or is that something that like, it just comes to you naturally? I think a lot of it came from doing Renaissance festivals, you know, and, and learning a style of improv that I think that I've ultimately come to reject (laughs) Uh, and by that I mean the big scene improv the big I'm going to do improv for you right now and we were always taught that sort of style but in going out onto the street that's what we call the the, the times in between your stage shows we call it street work Um, (laughs) and going out there uh, I thought you were going to say street walking (laughs) (laughs) I I I found a different kind of improvisational work, and that was walking out into an exchange of people and having really authentic interactions with them. And I, I think that that came out of a certain energy that I keep using that word energy, but that's that, that's the thing that that is that just excites me about this kind of performing is is to follow a certain energy that you feel when you're surrounded by people who are coming and going, and there's all this material right in front of you. Um, and I think that I learned it by doing it. But there's one of the reasons I enjoy working at Renaissance festivals is not because I love the period or I enjoy wearing leotards, but I I think that you're set up with so much stuff to work with. First of all, you're given a context, you're given a character, and then these people come and they want to be engaged. They want to, to see these characters and you have a different kind of performing you know this this idea that stand up comedy is the purest form of comedy i'm not sure that i agree with that mm. because sometimes it, it it's felt antiseptic to me to 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 walk out onto a dark stage and have people sitting there waiting for you to make them laugh whereas at the kind of improvisational festival that I, that I work at you get people just going about their business and it's mm-hmm. almost like you're you're, you're in, a, in, in a city street and you're looking at everything that's happening and people can come and go as they want they can leave if you're not interesting and, and uh it's feels a little bit more authentic to me does it ever go bad oh of course really of course but you can run away <laughs> you can literally run away from them you can't you can't do that at a comedy club you can say ah you know this is just a, a moment in a character's life and i said something that didn't wasn't funny but <laughs> we say things that aren't funny all the time <laughs> this podcast is one glaring example <laughs> The podcast doesn't have to be funny. The podcast can be sad if we want it to be. Sure. Do we want to make? Do, do we, uh, you want? Are you saying that like you want to go in that direction? I'm just saying. Hey, we can. You want to get sad, Megan? It's, uh, it's, been, it's been a rough week. Yeah, Let's it's just gonna keep be it. really. It's gonna be really disjointed if we do that. Megan, tell me about your childhood. You oh. tell me about your childhood. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I think it all started when a man walked up to me at a Renaissance fair. <laughs> 
<laughs> and ask me to because you started in that like you give uh, like I don't know give us the spiel right the the poet of the alleyways and the like give us the give us the grand tour. Uh, well, I was hired to play a poet, and uh, I I was just thinking about wow, well, what am I going to do with this? I mean, should I recite other people's poetry? Should I write? I didn't want to write stupid, silly nursery rhyme sort of parodies, and I didn't want to do the Andrew Dice Clay thing. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I can't even imagine. Why, I thought, why, why don't I actually try to write poetry? Because I've, you know, I, I, don't know, I, I have an education. <laughs> I was an English <laughs> major. I, I grew up reading and listening to poetry, and I, I thought, well, there, there are a lot of quote-unquote poet comedians that I've seen. And for some reason, they seem to shortchange the poetic aspect of it, right? And and I always wondered why that was. I always wondered why when you heard uh, a novelty song that was supposed to be a funny song, it, it always seems to be sung in a kind of novelty song voice that I find annoying. I mean, why don't you just sing the song and make it what it is? And if it's funny, people will laugh, but you don't have to signal to them that it's going to be funny by the silly voice that you sing it in. Mm. And there's a similar thing that was going on when I was starting to do this stuff. I thought, well, if if I can actually make this poetic, if I can actually use the language of the meter and the and the imagery of the kind of poetry that I studied in college and high school, then also make it funny, then maybe that's a different experience for people. Um, and so I started writing these poems. And at the time, I didn't know how far I could go. I mean, these a lot of these shows build themselves as family-friendly festivals. <laughs> You know, Which yeah, that's a laugh. Amazing. <laughs> and so I, I mean, think I think the first poem I wrote was called "I Bought a Cheese and Thought of You," and <laughs> and people liked it, and it was fun. And and then I wrote, I went a little bit further. I wrote a poem called "The Wee Irish Man," and I, at every turn of the screw, I, I found that my employers were saying that I could actually go further. I could actually get away with it. Oh, funny. But the. But I'm convinced that the reason I could get away with it was because it wasn't just a string of vulgarities. Mm -hmm. There was a use of language, and I've seen it. It's almost like a fix (laughs) that people get when when they hear it. They hear a certain use of language that they haven't heard in a while, and it changes them. So, Uh boy, I just rambled, didn't I? No, no, no. That's exactly what I wanted. Do you? Is there? Is there? Okay, here's question A. Did you ever actually go too far? Oh yes. Do you have a poem in mind that like you're like? Whether it was like got to the stage and was too far, or you someone can't was like, come back to this red don't anymore. put that on stage, please. <laughs> I can't enter this I, state anymore. I I can't remember what it. I don't know if it was an actual poem or if it was just a moment in a show, but I do remember a time doing this early on, and I said something, and I heard a single woman in the audience go, "Oh." <laughs> And it was full of so much disappointment and anger. And I just, and there was another time, and this wasn't anything I said. I'm, you know, you said that I was brave. I don't think I'm brave. I think I'm very fragile. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a time when I was standing on stage and I stood up and I'm, you know, there's an audience all around me and I'm reciting a poem and a fleck of spit went out of my mouth and into an audience member. I and I and the the look she gave me and I just couldn't get it back. I just wanted to end the, the show. Spit? No, it's in her eye. Of course you can't get it back. <laughs> Why would you want it back? It's a COVID horror I could, story. I could I could trace its trajectory in slow motion. <laughs> 
Well, that's not your fault. But this other one was there was a poem that you were like that you were like, all right, let's go further, and you went too far, and the audience sort of told you, yeah, that's, there's that's one, too far. There, there's there's actually one poem that I wrote, and I wrote it, and I thought I will never do this poem. I'll never actually perform this, but I wrote it. It hurt, but it's out. That that's, sort of thing, you know. Um, sometimes you gotta beat the devil out. You yes, know, therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, I made a, a a grave mistake at one show, and and someone in the audience asked me if there's any poem that I will never recite that I'm ashamed of. And I said, yes. And I shouldn't have. I should have kept it to myself. And I said, yes. And then, of course, the audience insisted that I recite the poem. And I did it. And they liked it. But it's nothing I'm proud of. And, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. It's like, they may have liked it, but that's a them problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can blame them for the thing that I wrote, but they wanted it. <laughs> And I do think yeah. it's brave. I think it, it, you may you may be fragile, but isn't that what bravery is? Is you know doing things that are scary <laughs> anyway. anyway? Yeah, yeah. I I remember the the first day that I was walking down to my stage to do the very first stage show of of this, and I was just terrified because I was asking myself, well, look, I've written about five poems, six poems, and how do I get away with it? I mean, what else can I do? I mean, what if? I mean, people are going to be offended. They have to be offended by this. Someone's going to be outraged and what do I do and that was the moment that it's like a little gift on my way to my first show I just had this idea well why don't we just applaud them for leaving the show we'll honor mm -hmm. them we'll make them feel like they're the dignitaries of the crowd they're the ones that are responsible for upholding the morality of the village and we need that we need somebody to leave this show <laughs> <laughs> to bear witness to the worthiness of, of the village right and uh, and I think that that helps me. It really does. It helps me because the idea that I would actually offend someone, I I, I find that mortifying. Oh, for sure. You know, I, 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 really I think do. you take such care of it and take such care of the audience that I yeah. think it's 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 really it's really masterfully done. And before you were doing this, you were uh, playing in mud. Yeah, I was uh, what they call a mud beggar, and uh, I was part of a troupe, a uh, comedic troop of various cast members but we were always three people and we did adaptations of beowulf and dante's inferno and gilgamesh and a bunch of classics that we would adapt for a mud pit have we talked about the fact megan that i think we saw gordy before it, we knew gordy was it in ohio we saw beowulf did you ever do beowulf in ohio i did beowulf in ohio for the first three years of that festival and that would have been like in the early 90s like 90 91 oh. oh no it would have been later than that maybe it wasn't gordy okay. but i remember yeah. seeing that show but but that that would be my the troop that I belong to with a different cast. Yeah. You know? Wow. Cool. Remember yeah. that? Those, yeah. That was funny. I do remember that. that was, and somebody, he was a, a muddy man, walked into the audience and put a big muddy yes. handprint on an audience member's shirt. And my dad, who was like two rows away, looked like he was gonna fall over. <laughs> <laughs> So he was like, if someone gets my shirt muddy, I'm gonna be so yeah. unhappy. Oh Robert. Yeah. Yeah, that's when uh that's when the monster Grendel goes out to the audience and attacks the village. <laughs> It happens. It does. Happen. It does. Yes. <laughs> and so, like I said earlier, we we talk about success in a lot of different um facets. And that's a lot of your professional success. How's your sort of interpersonal success, your relationship with friends and family and coworkers? And because I mean, not to, you know, I, I want to say a m metaphor or a simile, and then you tell me how accurate it is. But 
you you and your family travel, right, to do these shows yes. and to be a part of all these different artistic communities. And mm-hmm. it's your wife and your children travel with you always or most of the time or? Always, always. Oh, and so like... Very few exceptions. Are your are your kids growing up like traveling circus people? Yeah, like, are they best yeah. friends with the fire eaters and the ring tossers? And well, they're for one thing, they're best friends with each other, which that's nice. I'm oh, that's very nice. pleased with. But yeah, these these are kids that uh, there's a time once when we were subletting a place in Dallas doing a festival, and there was a kid that lived upstairs. He was about six years old, and my son Oliver was about four, and they were playing together out in the yard. And uh, Ali wanted to teach the kid to play a game of jousting and so they were standing at opposite sides of this yard and oliver would charge towards them and and the kid thought are we are we sword fighting and i was like no no we're, we're jousting and are we is this a is this is this wrestling and finally this kid he turned to me and this, he looked like the suffering face of jesus and he said <laughs> I just don't understand what we're doing. <laughs> oh, Oliver, everyone doesn't know jousting. You know, this is this is a niche sport for a four-year-old. And that's when that six-year-old became a man. Yeah, yeah. None of us know what we're doing. That was the day he was really born. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he also once grabbed a pair of uh, a knives out of the knife set and he started attempting to juggle them. And he yelled, danger show! <laughs> my wife had to run over and grab the knives out of his hand. Oh I love God. danger show. <laughs> danger show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God he announced it. What if that happens? What if that's what he... What, what always, if he always he, announce he, it. He, he, what if he creates the danger show and that's what he becomes known for and he's like eating fire and juggling knives and stuff will you be will you be proud or will you be like will you know you did that i don't know let's wait and see he also there's also a a day when uh he stood on my he was about three and he stood on my wife's evangelical parents coffee table and began reciting mother will my stones drop (laughs) and i grabbed him by the collar and yanked him into another room before he could get too deep into the work <laughs> you said those are daddy's special poems. We don't share those with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mother Will My Stones Airdrop is a poem about uh, uh, the speaker wondering when they will hit puberty. Yes. <laughs> in case the delivered, title wasn't delivered in the prepubescent voice. Yes. <laughs> so, to answer your question, um, I, I think that. My uh, my relationships are good. Uh, my I, mean, I don't want to talk about my marriage, you know. But I, <laughs> she's not listening to this. though. come on. <laughs> but we're together. Oh, is she in the is she in the room we're, right now? <laughs> she's in the other room. She's working her tail off in the other room right now. She she staffs uh, travel nurses, so you can imagine. Oh, yeah. um, how busy she is right now. Um, but yeah, she's been working really hard. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's it's a little weird when you feel that uh, most people feel that they belong to some sort of a community, but my mm-hmm. community is sort of changeable. Mm-hmm. You know, at one fair, it's this group of people, and it might be a different group of people at the next show. But uh, we're a generally tight knit group at these festivals. There's a there's a bit of uh, grapes of wrath kind of a scene going on. <laughs> um, well, and even you know, even Megan and I, and I'm sure a lot of artist couples and artist 
people have to really navigate their personal and professional relationships and, you know, when yeah. which hat is on and when who's in charge and when, you know, who's doing what. And correct me if I'm wrong, like sometimes or all the time or most of the time when you're doing fairs, like you'll be doing performing and your wife does like like food related stuff at some of the fairs, right? Or like yeah, she'll, behind she'll the scenes stuff? She'll, she might work a pub at one festival. She also manages a custom made boot shop at some, oh. of, some of the some of the fairs too yeah wow less so now that, that she's doing this but yeah 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 i i also think that the older you get you just get a little smarter about your relationships don't you i hope i, I don't I would know hope. i'm a baby <laughs> i'm just a smart old baby huh <laughs> There's um there's a short story I remember reading in college called The Swimmer. John Cheever wrote it. And it's about this guy who's at some socialites party in, in Westchester County. And he, he's a young, athletic, virile man. He's very self-absorbed. And he has to go home from this party. And he looks out over all the lawns across the way. And he thinks to himself, I could actually swim home from everyone's swimming pool. I could just go pool hopping all the way home. <laughs> so he starts swimming from swimming pool to swimming pool to swimming pool. And at every house he goes to, they know him and they invite him in, but he refuses them. You know, he's no, I, I don't have any time for you people. And as he gets closer and closer to home, the weather starts to get darker. He gets cold. He starts to feel a little bit frail, but the people are no longer welcoming him. They don't want anything to do with him after a while. And finally, at the end of the story, he gets home and no one's home. The house is all locked up and he's alone. And I remember reading that when I was in college and thinking, well, this is a story about death, about getting older and, and dying. And I went back and read that story uh, maybe a couple of years ago. And your interpretation of things change the older you get and the more experiences you have. And to me, that story became about what happens when you don't take care of your friendships, your mm. relationship. And I, I think that that has been, for me, it's been a change in my life. I, I seem to, to take better care of my, my friends and my relationships than I did when I was stupid and young. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good metaphor though yeah um. <laughs> I, I made a good story oh uh, yeah it's called a little girl who cried gas oh um, yeah here we go <laughs> this, does it have to do with megan's burp that still has <laughs> no did you no, really write that story i didn't write it i just said it in my head i said it to megan because i think it's funny i don't know it's just a modern uh little boy who cried wolf but it's a little girl who cried gas and she comes in and she says there's a gas leak there's a gas leak and then everybody gathers around and they're like where's the gas leak and she's like <laughs> <laughs> And then one day, and then, then one day she says, "There's a gas leak. There really is." And they all say, "No, no, no, go away, Beth." And then they all explode. <laughs> <laughs> they say, "No, there's a gas leak. There's a gas leak." They shove a cork up her ass, and then their house explodes. <laughs> That's why we got to well, workshop learn, these yeah. things. That's good. You can have that for a poem if you want. <laughs> oh, uh, I've already written it. Actually, it's... oh, jeez. <laughs> What about the third? The third category mm -hmm. is uh -oh. is is personal. How's how's Gordy's relationship to Gordy? <laughs> <laughs> I I am all hands. I cannot keep my hands <laughs> off of myself. That's what I thought you in the shower, in the kitchen, everywhere. Uh, my relationship with Gordy. Yeah, uh, I think I'm doing. I think I, I'll ask myself, and uh, I think we're doing all right. Didn't you say? Hmm. Yeah, does it? Does your relationship with Gordy <laughs> with yourself reflect uh, sort of like the interpersonal question, where it was 
sort of like the uh the short story you were talking about has has it changed over time yeah i think it has i think it has i i think um oh i think i'm a not as arrogant as, as i used to be i, I hope i'm not um <laughs> I, uh, I, I like what I'm doing. And I think that if I ever get bored with what I'm doing is because I haven't written anything new and I've let it stagnate, but mm. I still have a lot of enthusiasm about this. I, you know, the, the hardest thing right now is just not being out in front of an audience sure. for all these months. I mean, that's the thing that I'm having the, the biggest struggle with, I guess, but, mm. uh, I, I just love doing the show and I'm, I'm happy. You know, we bought a house recently and that's another thing that's, I mean, I, I like being in this house and that, that might be a challenge. I might not want to be traveling all the time anymore. Uh-oh. Oh, well, that's I mean, you're we doing, do you're doing your live shows and you're doing, yeah. you know, you got new stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's that New York show. It's it's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. Yep. Yeah. Gordy's bringing a show to New York. So our New York listeners, you know, as soon as the theaters reopen in 2048, um, Gordy will be right there on the on the forefront. Yeah. He'll have a he'll have a New York run. Yeah. And a walker. <laughs> <laughs> he will be a hologram, <laughs> but that is, that is such a fear that this thing doesn't happen till I'm 60. <laughs> Who's that old I don't man? Know. Poetry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing i think and maybe maybe there's a a bell curve about it but i think eventually it just becomes like funnier or cuter that you're just <laughs> like a, oh i don't know gnarled old man <laughs> just spouting filth <laughs> i might even stop making it poetry you know i might just start <laughs> at people wouldn't that be a funny i always thought that'd be a funny idea for a show like william shakespeare goes on this tour towards the end of his life just to raise money he's kind of he's getting broke and all that and so and he's written some new stuff but no one wants to hear it they want to hear the balcony scene again you know and he starts turning on his audience because he's drunk and he's bitter and he starts cussing at him like like lou reed used to do <laughs> I like that. bitter Shakespeare. Yeah. Bitter Shakespeare. Bitter Bill. <laughs> bitter Bill. <laughs> Hello? I'm just <laughs> laughing. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. How's Gordy's relationship to Arthur? Oh. Uh, when you when when we were planning the podcast, Gordy was like is this a video? Do I need to be in costume? Is this going to be just me as Gordy? Is this going to be me as Arthur? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm asking anymore. I mean, I guess well, Arthur is, is yeah. familiar with a plague. If you could too. ask Arthur one thing, what would it be? <laughs> There's one thing. Like I've asked Sarah this before. It's like, I mean, because well, she doesn't always laugh at my stuff. You know? <laughs> I think, do you ever, does anything I do really offend you or anything? She goes, well, if I didn't know you, I might be offended by some of the stuff. But I also know that you're playing a character and it's kind of, uh, you're, you're assuming uh, a persona that is very different from you and i'm relieved to hear that it is it isn't it isn't but i, I think the jokes i make are done ironically i, I hope that reads you know it definitely it definitely yeah, reads. Yeah. well we're near the end of our time and i wanna i wanna get two things there I, i'm gonna wanna ask your advice about success sample. and i will need a stool sample okay. <laughs> um well no i just i i don't i don't know this seems like I don't know, cliche, but like, is there a short poem you want to read at the end to see us off? Or like, I don't know. I don't want you to give your shit away for free either. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> okay. I've been then doing it all my life. Then, 
then then let's do advice and then I'll do the outro and then we might hear a poem at the end. So awesome. so first things first is like, do you have any advice about success? We've talked about a lot of different kinds of success, but just sort of the general concept of success. What's your advice? You know, I was never the sort to uh, look around at shows that I saw at, at the places that I performed. And, and I would never say to myself, I want to do that. I could do that. I always had a different instinct. And that was to look at what was not happening and think, what's not, what are people not seeing? And try to f- find a way to fit into that vacancy. Um, and and maybe the best place to start is to, to go back and look at what it is that you've always loved doing. And if there's a way to create something new, mm. um, wh- when you when you see something that you don't like, identify what it is about it that you don't like and and, and change it. Mm. You know, I like that. Yeah. Interesting. That wasn't, I don't was know it? what I expected, but it wasn't that, but I like it. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Oh, and then well, I just did true. Megan's burp. Well, Oof. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, what poem are you going to do after I do the outro? Oh, I don't know. Do you want it to be... Um, um, do you want it to be more, uh, uh, do you want it to be poetic? Do you want it to be, uh, like mother will my stones drop? Do you want, I want, super- I want the one that you're like, if, if I could, uh, the, uh, if you're trapped on a desert Island, you can only do one poem for the rest of your life. It's not short. All right. Well, they can listen. Yeah. We got time. Yeah. Listen. All right. They could buckle up. Fuckle ups. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, uh, do you have, um, uh, a soundtrack of Ave Maria that could I can get it under there, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Under this, no, I'm, yeah, I'm you want sure. some fireworks too, Gordy? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. All right, so let's let's roll into that. Thanks everyone for listening to Dress for the Podcast. You want my name has been David. Uh, mine has been and will still be Megan. And our guest has been Gordy. Gordy, thanks so much for playing with us today. This was a ball. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you can follow all the stuff that we do on backgrounddroids.com. We want to thank Background Droids and Dimly Wit for hosting us. Uh, Backgroundjoys.com is where all the podcasts are and you can follow us on all the social medias accordingly. We also have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash backgroundjoys, where you can go and help us continue to do this kind of maniacal mischief and get some cool stuff in return. So thanks to everyone who's doing that right now and to everyone who will do it in the future. We love you. And let's let's plug Gordy. Gordy, where can people learn more about you? Most of my stuff is on Facebook, but can also go to ArthurGreenleafHolmes.com and, uh, you know, just Google it. You'll find it. Or Google Filthy Poet. You'll probably find me too. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Careful though. Keep the safe search on maybe. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> sure. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we ever actually said the full name all the way out loud. Arthur Greenleaf Holmes is the name of the character, the poet. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. It's super funny. We just we just love his work, and um, it's such a good name too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you come up with that name all all on your own? I, I I came up with that name because I had to come up with a character name, and you know that's something I've even started talking about is that I wanted a name that sounded like a real poet, oh, so and good. I was looking at you know the the fireside poets. Poets like uh, John Greenleaf Whittier, uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, um, oh, Henry Wadsworth oh. Longfellow. I wanted the same sort of cadence of those poets. <laughs> and not Jordy Mudro. <laughs> and not like Johnny Verse a lot. <laughs> you know, that kind of that kind of obvious crap, you know. That's when you expand into your rap career. Yeah. That's all I have. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, without further ado, we're going to leave you with a little uh, poem. I'll let you introduce it and take it away, Gordy. 
You know, I, I think I'm going to do Mother Will My Stones Drop. We mentioned it earlier. It's a short poem. It's it's one that I often begin my shows with. It's one of Arthur's juvenilia poems. He wrote this poem before his testicles descended at the age of 32 years old. And uh, it's delivered in the prepubescent voice. Um, and to give you an idea of how I sort of go to other poetry for my ideas, there's little hints of uh, other poems like uh, Barbara Allen, the old ballad, which has a line, Mother, Mother, Make my bed or make it soft and narrow since my love died for me today. I'll die for him tomorrow. Um, Also, Lord Randall, my son, mother, make my bed for I'm sick in the heart and I fain waddle I dune. So I thought that I'd put a little twist on it. So this is Mother Will My Stones Drop. Mother Will My Stones Drop ere I turn 29. I tire of this empty sack against my hairless thigh. And when will I awaken to find my mattress wet? It's happened to the other boys, but I've not known it yet. And will my wanker bolden and shed its pinkish skin? And will it grow a hairy nest to spend its evenings in? And mother, what's a clitoris? And is it hard to find? My cousin said... She'd show me hers if I would show her mine. Hosted on dimlywit.com.